Welcome friends. I'm so glad that you joined me today. My name is Sarah. I'm one of the pastors at the Vine Church and I'm just honored to get to share with you a message from scripture today. Also, I wanted to let you know that Easter is coming and we are so excited. So on April 17th, this year is Easter, and on that Sunday, we're going to have an Easter celebration service at 10 a.m. at the Vine Church. And then afterwards, we're going to have an all-ages Easter egg hunt outside. And so you are invited. We are excited to, to be gathering in person. We also want you to know that we will continue to post messages online. So Easter is coming. April 17th, mark your calendars. Today, we're going to continue in our series in 1 John. It's been such a blessing to get to read through this letter and dive a little bit deeper and ask God what God has in store for us in this letter. So that's what we're going to do today. We're going to be in 1 John, starting in, in John 2, verse 28, if you want to get a Bible and get ready to read with me. You know, this week I've been working a whole lot on my plants. I have one right here. For those of you who, who know a little bit about me, I grew up with a mother who um, is just amazing at growing things. She has a green thumb and she can grow anything, anywhere. Um, she just knows so much about growing plants. And so as I grew, I helped her a little bit. And as an adult, as I, I thought I'd try my hand at it too. And I just killed everything. Everything I bought, I ended up killing. And so in the middle of the pandemic, I decided I needed to learn how to care for plants. And so I spoke with a friend who got me started and I've just been learning and I've been slowly buying new plants and guess what? I've been keeping them alive. I'm doing pretty well with it. And, and what I'm learning through the process is that the conditions that plants grow in matters greatly. So you have sunlight. So how much sunlight um, a plant needs, indirect or direct, that matters. Um, how much water? You can underwater, you can overwater plants. So how much water does a specific type of plant need? That matters. The soil matters a whole bunch. In fact, this last week I repotted some of my, of my plants that were getting root bound. They were too small for their little container. And so the type of soil, like how well it drains or how well it holds water, that matters as well. And so I'm learning to care for these plants. And as I, as I think about this process, I'm, I'm realizing that this is just a beautiful metaphor for growing our faith, that we are rooted in Jesus, that we are rooted in the love of God. And from that place of rootedness, from that place of being, dwelling, um, in that, in, in God's love, then our faith can grow and, and we can just experience some pretty amazing things. And so as we look at first John today, John is going to start off our section talking about remaining in Jesus. And so I want to, I wanted to, to look at that together today. So we're going to start off in 1 John chapter 2, verse 28. 
says, and now, dear children, continue in him, in Jesus, so that when he appears, we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who does what is right has been born of him. So John says, continue in him. And that, that word for continue is meno in Greek, and it's the same word translated remain in him or or dwell in him or abide in him and so it has this this connotation of this continual action this habitual action this long term action that we would continue that we would remain in Jesus and i think of those plants being rooted and established in that soil that we would remain there that we would stay put in Jesus and allow God to grow us in that place. And John says, so dear children, continue in him. And when he appears, um, so that when he appears, we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. To be confident that we're where we're supposed to be when Jesus returns. Now, I don't know if you've if heard some of the podcasts before this, but we've been in John and several times we've we've talked about the background of this letter and there's some uncertainty in the house churches that this letter is written to um in the first century there had been a group of people who had left the church claiming to know god uh but to know god in a different way in a secret knowledge sort of way and and they weren't living the, the way of Jesus, but they were claiming to know God and they're trying to get people to come with them. They, they claimed that they had this secret knowledge about Jesus, who, whom they believe had only appeared to be human, that hadn't really come as a human. And they believed that the physical and material things of this world didn't matter. And in fact, were, were, evil were, were bad and what the only thing that mattered were spiritual things and so some of them would even go so far as to say that what we do with our physical things and in this physical world doesn't matter because the physical doesn't matter the only thing that's good and matters is the spiritual and so the Apostle John is writing this letter to the different house churches around Ephesus in modern day Turkey um, to reassure them that the gospel story about Jesus they had heard from the beginning was still true and to refute these ideas that had been circulating. You know, as I think about this idea of the physical not mattering, only the spiritual, I'm reminded that we are created as embodied beings. We are created with a physical body and we can't separate the spiritual from the physical. And as God calls us to follow Jesus, we are called to engage with our whole selves. And so John is going, is going to refer to that. He says, if you know um, that he is righteous, you know that everyone who does what is right has been born of him, that those who know God will do right, that knowing God is reflected in how we live and how we engage our, our, our physical 
world, the physical world that we live in. And so John's going to continue in First John chapter 3, verse 1. He says, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. He says, see what love the Father has lavished on us. John speaks in, in words that convey wonder and amazement. He says, pay attention to this. God the Father has lavished his love on us, has just gifted us, has poured out his love on us. And this word lavished it implies that it's a gift, not something that has been earned, but something that has been freely given. God has lavished his love and called us children of God, for that is what we are. That God has drawn us into God's family. And John says, some won't get this. Some won't understand this, that we are children of God because they don't understand and know God. But this is who you are. This is your identity. You are children of God. And that is something that no one can take away from us, regardless of what they say. No one can take that away from us. And so maybe some of us listening today also need to hear those words 2,000 years later. You are a child of God and God has lavished his love on you. John continues in verse two. He says, dear friends, now we are children of God. Now we are children of God and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. All who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. So John continues saying, okay, so right now we are children of God. This is who we are. This is our identity because God has lavished his love on us. And also he goes on to say, there's this element of now and not yet. So he goes on to say, what we will be has not yet been made known. And John here is speaking of this journey of transformation that we're on, that we will be something different than we are now because we shall be like him. We shall be like Jesus. You know, we talked a few weeks ago about living like Jesus, that Jesus is our example as to what love in action looks like. And, and John says, we know that now we are children of God, but we're on this journey of transformation. There's a now and there's also a not yet. And in the future, we will be made like 
Jesus will be completely transformed. And so uh, John here for a second time speaks to the second coming of Jesus, that this is the end of our transformation journeys at the second coming of Jesus. And what I love about this is that our future hope of seeing Jesus and being like Jesus has profound implications for how we live today. It's not just about when we get there. It's also about right now and how I'm living right now. So there's this journey of transformation. I want to talk about that for a second. So because there's two aspects of this journey. First of all, it's a journey of yielding to God, of saying yes to Jesus, who is our Lord and Savior. We say yes. That, that Jesus, um, we will follow you. We believe in you. We believe that you are the son of God, that you died for our sins. And remember, um, from first John chapter one, verse seven, and John wrote that the blood of Jesus, his son purifies us from all sin, that Jesus' sacrifice purifies us. And so we say yes to him as Lord and Savior, and we open up ourselves to the spirit working in us. And then the spirit begins this process of transforming us to look more like Jesus. So part of this journey is yielding to God and God does the work in us. And also part of this journey is us intentionally choosing and living it out. We choose to live like Jesus. And, and we live that out in very practical ways. We practice holy habits. We practice the loving ways uh, of living that reflect Jesus. And I love the order that John puts this in. Our call to action always comes out of our identity of who we are in God. So our actions don't earn us the title of loved child of God. Rather, the way we live our actions are a demonstration of our identity, who we are in God. I am a loved child of God. And so I get to live out of that and into that. John continues in verse four, and he writes, everyone who sins, breaks the law. In fact, sin is lawlessness. But you know that he appeared so that he might take away our sins and in him is no sin. No one who lives in him keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. So John here is reminding the readers of the good news that they were taught from the beginning. Jesus came to take away our sins. Okay, so you know that he appeared so that he might take away our sins. And our goal and our aim is to be like Jesus. Jesus did not sin and his atoning sacrifice takes away our sin. And so as children of God, followers of Jesus, our goal is not to keep on sinning. Um, you know, this is a direct response to people in the first century claiming that the physical world doesn't matter. And what we do 
with our lives doesn't matter. It's only about the spiritual world. But, but John has said again, you know, says again here what he said in, in chapter two, verse six, that whoever claims to live in him must also live like Jesus. John is saying what we do does matter. Jesus came to take away our sin. So let's not keep on sinning. It's also important to remember what John wrote in chapter two, verses one through two. I want to, I want to read that and remind us of it. It says, my dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. That's the goal. Don't sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with a father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. You know, one of our daughters, Rachel, um, she's in fifth grade and in fourth grade and fifth grade in Kennewick, uh, during PE, they have archery and it's, she's loved it. She's had so much fun with archery. And a few months ago, she was, she was doing archery and she came home all excited because she said, mom, I, I had four different arrows when it was my turn to get up there and I, and I got ready and I aimed for the bullseye and three of the four got right in the bullseye. And then one of them was just right outside, like all four arrows were, were so close to hitting the bullseye. And, uh, and I think about that as not all of them made it. So one of them didn't hit the bullseye. And even though not all of them will, will hit the mark, she will always aim for that target. She will always aim for that bullseye. It wouldn't make sense to quit aiming for that just because not all of her arrows hits the mark. And so likewise, we aim to live like Jesus. We aim to, to, to be godly. We aim to live out love, to wholly and completely follow Jesus in all aspects of our life. And sometimes we're going to miss the mark. And when we do, we know that there is grace and there is forgiveness in the atoning sacrifice of Jesus. And so we aim for, for living like Jesus. And we know when we fall short of that, that there is grace and there is forgiveness. John continues um, in verse 7. And here's what he writes. Dear children, do not let anyone lead you astray. The one who does what is right is righteous, just as he is righteous. The one who does what is sinful is of the devil because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. No one who is born of God will continue to sin because God's seed remains in them. They cannot go on sinning because they have been born of God. This is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not God's child. Anyone, nor is anyone who does not love their brother or sister. 
Okay, let's talk about these verses. There's some some interesting phrasing in here and, and some hard stuff. John says, don't let anyone lead you astray. So remember back the context of this letter, what's, what's happening. There's a group of people trying to pull people away from, from Jesus, saying, follow Jesus this way. And, 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 and John is saying, follow those doing right. Follow those, listen to those who are loving their brothers and sisters. He says, those who are putting their faith into action, follow and listen to those voices. And then there's some really strong language here. And, and John compares children of God and children of the devil. And this is how you know who's who. And I'll just be real, real honest here. This makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> this really does. And I think it's, it's because of some of the, the language and tone I've, I've experienced and seen in the church. And so I want to note here that the purpose of this text is not to give us permission to determine who's in and who's out. The purpose of this text is not a checklist for us to, to go around determining if someone is a child of God or not. And sadly, I've, I've experienced that. I've seen people who are more concerned about determining who's in and out than actually following Jesus in their everyday life. So, so what is God, what is John doing here? John is giving practical advice to people who are being pulled in a different direction. And he says, listen to those who are living out their faith. So, so listen to words, but also look at the actions. Look at the fruit of someone's life. If they're doing right, then you, you know that that's a good person to listen to. So John also here is drawing attention to the spiritual battle that's being waged. Um, all around us in verse eight, it's, it's stark. He writes, the reason the son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. Jesus came to destroy what the devil was doing. Friends, there is an evil one and he is really good at deception and really good at leading us down harmful and destructive paths. And Jesus came to destroy what the devil was doing. Jesus came to draw us close to God. He came to, to, to show us how we are loved by God, to lavish God's love on us, to call us children of God. Jesus came to forgive and to purify us from sin, Jesus came to guide us into a journey of transformation. So these words that we find in 1 John were very pertinent to the Christians um, in the first century. And also I believe there is some pretty beautiful invitations for us 2000 years later in this letter. We are invited to know the love of God. We are invited to accept God's invitation to be his children, his beloved children, whom, whom Jesus 
was crucified to take away our sin. For whom? Jesus was raised to life to give us new life. And all we have to do is accept. All we have to do is hold our hands out open and say, yes, Jesus, I receive from you. Yes, Jesus, you are my Lord and my Savior. You are our Lord and Savior. So we're invited to experience the love of God and to be God's beloved children. We're also invited on a journey of transformation. Um, in the Vine community, we like to call this the journey of becoming as, as we talk about belong, believe, become. And that become is this journey of transformation in which God works in our lives to make us more like Jesus. You know, and part of this journey is that we open ourselves up. We surrender to the Holy Spirit's work inside of us. And it's amazing what God does. God brings healing and, and the Spirit works in us to produce the fruits of the Spirit in us. And, and what we have to do is yield to God because God never forces um, himself on anyone. It's always an invitation. And so we have to open up and surrender to God and say, yes, Holy Spirit, work in my life. And also, the other piece of this journey of transformation, this journey of becoming, which John writes about in this, in this passage, is that we are invited to intentionally practice the way of Jesus. So as God is doing this amazing work of healing and transformation in our lives, we also are called to choose to follow God, to choose obedience to God, to choose to demonstrate our love for God by how we treat people, by loving others and living like Jesus lived in this physical world that we live in. We put into action the fruits of the spirit, what God is developing in us, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. All those things, we intentionally choose to put those into action. And so I want to invite us today to, to maybe do some reflection on our lives, to maybe ask some questions of ourselves. And maybe this is a good time to to create a little space to ponder, um, prayerfully ponder with God, um, just the state of, of, of our, of our heart and in our lives and where we're at. And, and here's some questions maybe that could help us in that. First of all, have I accepted God's invitation to be a child of God? Have I said yes to Jesus? Have I opened myself up to receive God's love for me? You know, in my experience, it's much easier to, to talk about God loving others sometimes than it is to actually receive and experience the love of God for ourselves. And so ask yourself that. Have I said yes to God? Have I received his love? And am I accepting his invitation to be 
his child. And what I love about God is that God is love. And so the the amount of love that God has for humanity is infinite. And so there is always more of God's love to experience. Like we never arrived. There is always more and a deepening of our experience of God's love for us. Another question we might ask ourselves is, am I living as a beloved child of God? Am I living that out? Are, are the actions and what I do and say, is that reflecting that? And, and I think for all of us, we could probably say in some part, yes, in some part, no. And so maybe thinking about the parts that, that don't reflect the the life that Jesus has called us to live. So in what ways am, am I struggling to love others? In what ways do my actions and my words not reflect Jesus? You know, sometimes when I think about who who I'm struggling to love, you know, there are different categories. Sometimes it's the people closest to us, our, our family members who kind of get the worst of us because we feel safe and comfortable with them. They, they get us at our grouchiest. <laughs> um, so sometimes those are the people that come to mind. At other times, they're the people who we're only semi acquainted with. And so we can, we can kind of label or put them in a box or, or, or just reduce them down to a few things that we know about them. And so we don't love them well. Other times it's people who we can easily ignore. Maybe people who are out of sight, out of mind, sort of people, people who are more um, marginalized and easily marginalized that we're struggling to love. So that's a great questions, uh, question to just sit with. You know, have I accepted God's invitation to be his child? Am I, am I receiving God's lavish love for me? Am I living as a beloved child of God, where in my life are my actions not reflecting Jesus? Who am I struggling to love? And then the purpose of asking all these questions is to say yes to what God is doing. God, make us aware of where we are falling short and spirit lead us, lead us to live lives that look more like what you have called us to live. As many of you know, this is a season um, of Lent before Easter, and it's a season where we create space to, to reflect on life, to confess and to repent, and, and also to invite the Spirit to work in us and to be intentional as we move forward. And so I invite you this week, I invite you today to create space to reflect on these questions and to invite the Spirit to help us better reflect who Jesus is in our everyday life. So I invite you to pray with me as we close. Dear God, we thank you. We thank you that you are a God of love and that you are a God of invitation. Jesus, we thank you for your atoning sacrifice, Lord, how you just gave everything for us Lord, how you were raised to life 
to give us new life and that in you there is forgiveness and there is grace. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are working, that you are present and that you are working in us to transform us, that we might become more and more like Jesus. Lord, I pray for myself and for those listening and all of us on this journey. Lord, your kingdom come and your will be done in our lives, in our community, in our world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for joining me today. I hope you have a wonderful week and we'll see you later.